Hello, and welcome to Recent Activity, your new favorite entertainment review podcast that attempts to cover every film, every show, all at once. I am your co-host, Andrew Morgan. With me, as always, is a man who loves Denzel so much he wants to have like 10,000 of his babies. It's Mr. (laughs) Shane Beauregard. How are you, sir? I'm good, sir. I'm good, sir. Is that not justified? Is that not uh, accurate? You hit the nail on the head. I I would do it. Absolutely. It still happened these days because he's got to be what now? Early 70s? I don't even know. Guess what? Did you look at it? Funny you bring that up. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, we had a dinner conversation about the equalizer and we all guessed Denzel Denzel's age. I said he's got to be 68, and the other guesses were 61, 64. And guess what, sir? He was 68 on the dot. I got it right. Yeah, he's 68. Yeah. That's insane because now now that we're talking about it, because I haven't exactly done like uh, some kind of Denzel retrospective in my head or anything, but I w- I'm trying to think of like what I saw him in first. And based on my Ooh. age, you're a little bit older than me. Uh, so And obviously when we were kids, we're not exactly sitting around like, hey, when did Glory come out? Like, are we sitting in the movie theater watching Glory? So my guess is something stupid like, him and Russell Crowe? Well, the one with Russell Crowe, yeah, yeah. I What's forgot that, that was dumbass called, movie? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think now. Um, and I don't know if that was the first. Uh, I, uh, I I shudder to think that it was Philadelphia. Oh, virtuo- virtuosity? Virtuosity? Yeah, it might be something stupid like virtuosity. Let me, uh, yeah, because obviously he, he popped with like Saint Elsewhere, right? He was on Saint Elsewhere for a while, and then it was yeah. like Glory, Mo Better Blues... Uh, that movie Ricochet. I don't know if you yep. you've seen Ricochet. You've seen like a person who had seen Ricochet. I have. Yes, um, I have. I didn't watch Malcolm X when it first came out. You know, because I was ten. And then we're getting into Pelican Brief, Philadelphia, Crimson Tide, and then Virtuosity. So it might be something stupid like Virtuosity, and that is a terrible, <laughs> terrible thing to do. Um, probably the first one I saw in the theater with him, though, is I saw He Got Game. In the theater. So between that and remember the Titans training day, that's more my era Denzel. Gotcha. It's funny you bring up Glory. Um, that's the second vehicle I ever saw him in. Uh, not in the theater, obviously. But the first thing I ever saw him in was a soldier story, mm. uh, which was night, which was 1984. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie no, before. I haven't. Uh, a great movie about a death that happens in an all black platoon in the army. And they send an investigator in there to see what happened. Right. It's a great, like murder mystery who done it. And he was part of an ensemble cast. Okay. Great movie, by the way. But yeah, glory. It's funny. You mentioned that. Cause that's what I based his age on. I'm like, man, glory's like came out in 86 and he, you know, that's like what? 35, 40. I don't know how long ago it was a long right. time ago. Yeah. So he's gotta be 68. But the first, I think theater movie I probably saw him in, was kind of like you. It was probably whew, in the theater. I ne- I didn't see Malcolm X. It was probably the Pelican Brief. Yeah, that I saw him in. But that's the same era as Crimson Tide and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, ninety five. He dressed crushed. Yeah, Courage Under Fire. I saw that in the theater. That was a, a good movie. Uh, Fallen. Yeah. So he, uh, yeah, he, which was a great movie. John Goodman. So he was in his bag from like ninety three. Oh, yeah. Well, pretty much 92 to like 98, really. Yeah, just a straight like, heater. <laughs> like, there is so little uh, bad films here. It's it's insane. And yeah, you didn't even mention like the siege. You know, that's when it starts to slow down. I remember seeing the hurricane. Remember the Titans training day. 
um, I saw uh, probably most of his stuff from here on out in the theater, though we will get into it. I have not seen one of the equalizers. So I guess this is kind of my thing about Denzel is that I don't know if Denzel has the same grip on me or that he just changed his style of movie where I'm less encouraged to go see it. Like, uh, you know, he was in tragedy and Macbeth, which that's not his fault that I didn't really grasp onto that movie. That's more of a Shakespearean thing where I've never really grasped onto a lot of those. Um, and that was, you know, just a couple of years ago. So, I guess maybe I'm talking out of my ass, but he had that one movie that he, I want to say he directed, right, with Michael B. Jordan last year that was trying to be in the Oscar conversation too or something, and that didn't work out. So I don't know. He's losing a little bit of steam, but he should. You know, the man's, as we noted, in his late 60s. So it's a weird thing to where I'm less comparing him to... I don't know who the like, like he's on the Meryl Streep of the the male side, you know, trying to be the perpetual Oscar player like a Tom Hanks or something. And instead, we're mm-hmm. sitting here like him and <laughs> him in the John Wick series, like is a more of a comp uh, when the fact that we're talking now about the Equalizer three, which was number one at the box office over the weekend. Yeah, it was um, uh, again. Labor Day is never a good time to have a movie come out. And I'm a, I'm very impressed. I want to get to uh, kind of how the box office worked and everything else. But just to set the table, what we're going to talk about today, uh, we're definitely going to talk about uh, Shane's experience seeing The Equalizer 3 uh, with Denzel Washington and how much money it made over the weekend compared to like its other predecessors there and especially with a labor day man i'm telling you it's just amazing numbers um we'll check in with stuff like about uh how barbie's doing compared to last year's huge run for top gun maverick and if that will equal out uh shane's gonna update us on justified city primeval and then we'll wrap up with some movie reviews that uh hurt my head so uh <laughs> there, there are some positives at the end i just uh, there's one in particular that i just need clarity on and it might have to come from the extended the you the audience uh because shane hasn't seen this movie either shane is gonna try to get out to see this one later um so just to tease that one there is definitely a movie that is getting great reviews that uh again hurt my brain this is the uh resurgence of my same feelings i had with asteroid city earlier on the year which shane can slowly attest to my headache with that movie because he hasn't even gotten through it but he tried um and then i don't know like bot the movie's bottoms guys i'll i'll, I'll give it that way that movie i it's a very specific type of beast. I really want to get into it, but I will I will let you have the floor, sir. Let's get into the box office stuff over the weekend. Let's get into Equalizer 3. So let's set the table here. I sent this to you because I found it to be absolutely amazing. What is more consistent, gravity or den- <laughs> the Equalizer <laughs> in the movie theaters on opening weekend? Because I sent you this stat of the first movie, opened at 34 million domestic. The second film opened at 36 million domestic. And the third movie, which I thought between Labor Day, like, again, it didn't have a lot of competition, but also this movie didn't get a lot of fanfare. Like, yeah, the trailer was out, but I I don't know. A lot of people were like, yeah, I rushed out to see Equalizer 3. 
Ah, uh, it got thirty-four million again. <laughs> so, uh, and and currently, I think between overseas and what it currently is domestically, I want to say that it's in the seventy-something million totals right now. Mm-hmm. After its first long weekend, that ain't bad, Shane. That's pretty impressive. Denzel still got it uh, when he you know dials it up here. Was it worth the effort um, in terms of? Equalizer 3, and how does it compare to the others? And is this the end for Denzel and Equalizer? Uh, yes. First, I love the Equalizer series. The first one kind of came out of nowhere and was a great kind of action in the John Wick world as far as the violence and him being this badass assassin kind of ex-CIA guy. And it, the first one was very enjoyable. Second one... I'll admit wasn't as good as the first one. It kind of took a step back. It's kind of forgettable. So I was all aboard for this one because, again, I, I love Denzel Washington. I could watch him do really anything. Yeah. But um, you're right. There wasn't a lot of marketing for this movie. The trailers were out, but they didn't really push this movie like I thought they would. But I will say for a, a third a trilogy, it was whew, it was worth it in the end. Um, the plot, if there was one, it's very <laughs> razor it, it's really razor thin. Yeah. I mean, razor thin. Okay. I went and saw it Thursday, like at a 3.30 showing. And it was, the theater was about half full, surprisingly, for a post-pre-work, everyone getting out to go see it. Sure. It was yeah. well attended. So you you have his character, Robert McCall. He ends up in Italy, which is a whole other thing because they don't tell you how he ended up there or what he's doing there. He's just kind of off the grid in, in Italy. And once you kind of find out what he's doing there, it doesn't make really any sense. Okay. Okay. So he, it's one of these stories where he kind of gets embedded into the town that he's in and the town loves him and he becomes one of the, you know, one of the locals there and he's fighting the mafia in this movie. He's protecting the village from the mafia. Right. That's pretty much the whole kit and caboodle for the movie. Sure. Action, action scenes and the set pieces of him, like dispatching the mafia were awesome. Like just great A action Really fun to see him in his bag. It's I don't want to say it seems like he wasn't trying in this film, but uh, even so, he just comes off as like low key great in this film. This mm. series is yeah, it, it's it's weird. It's like, are you really trying Denzel? And it's like, oh, he pulled it off. You know right. what I mean? <laughs> uh, you get a little reuniting with Dakota Fanning, who is in Man of Fire, which is one of my favorite Denzel movies. Uh, Directed by one of my favorite directors outside of Quentin Tarantino, Tony Scott, rest in peace. Yeah. Uh, so you get a little re- reunion between those two. But Dakota Fanning's only in it. She plays uh, at, uh, like an accountant in the CIA. So he kind of ropes her into coming to Italy to help him with this. And there's a reason for it. And I don't want to spoil it for you. No spoilers here. Okay. That that made a little sense. <laughs> but her, her character really wasn't needed. Right. Yeah, overall, uh, it was a good. It was a good third. It was better than the second one. It's about two hours long, just under, but it's paced very well. Like what I'll say about the series, it's not boring. You know what you're in for. If you like movies like John Wick and and stuff in that world or Elk or whatever, it's worth your time. You're not going to get bored, right? Okay. Uh, but I did have questions when this movie was over. I'm like. Why again? Why was he there? His reason at the end for being there made no sense. Right. What he told the Ka- Dakota Fanning to do made even less sense than that. <laughs> okay. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I thought the end, to be honest with you, was a little anticlimactic compared to the first two. Where in the first one, if anyone's seen it, you get the warehouse, Home Depot, 
Home Alone rigged scene where he's <laughs> yeah. fighting the big boss. It is awesome. Right. And this one was so the the head of the mafia was it was so anticlimactic with that whole thing. I was like, oh, really? He dispatched everyone. Like it just was anticlimactic. It kind of let me down just a little bit. Now, I do think this brings closure to the series. I don't think we'll see a fourth one, even though it's doing well in the theater. I think he's done with this character. It is a nice bookend to the series, and it ties a nice bow on his character and that whole storyline. So he kind of finishes it out. Well worth your time if you're an Equalizer fan. Again, I put it behind the first one, but ahead of the second one. So I had a good time. All right. Yeah, it's so funny. The more you were kind of describing some of the plot and everything, the more I had like shades of how the Rambo series kind of petered out. Like in terms of, you know, first you had the one where he's in uh, Myanmar, right? Is that the the current, I'm trying, it's former Burma, right? It, that's what yeah. Myanmar is. Okay. Um, yep. Yeah. Geography nut. Sorry. Uh, you know, Um <laughs> So I remember, I like that movie. You lost half movie. the audience. I know. I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. And then there was what? Last Blood? Is that what they called it? Oh, that last terrible yeah. one? Because once you said terrible. like the Home Alone thing, I was like, oh yeah, that's what <laughs> that reminded me of uh, when I saw that one. Except this one, you know, uh, to its credit, is getting solid reviews, uh, even including yours. Um, this currently has a 73% on Rotten Tomatoes with a 94% audience score. So, and last I saw on uh, on Letterboxd, I believe it was a 3.1. So, that's pretty solid when you're talking entry number three. And, you know, unless, this is the thing, is we can't ever put a part four out, right? Because with John Wick, you know, the third one felt like, okay, yeah, they're probably going to do a fourth. But, wow, that's a flex considering the third one was not that strong. So somebody would have to come up with something like John Wick 4 and how impressive it was to kind of go forward with this story, I would imagine. Is that about right? Yeah. It would need to be something spectacular. Like, they would need to come up with something like a John Wick 4. And honestly, the way they ended it, I it would have to be a hell of a script is all I'm saying. Yeah. Because <laughs> right. the way the way they ended this. <laughs> yeah. So where would you put it? What, what's your uh, rating on it? Yeah, I give it a 3.5. Uh, okay. Like again, it has its flaws, but in these kind of movies, you can overlook the plot points and some of the holes it has in the story because you watch it for his character and what he's going through and how he's going to stop, uh, you know, this mafia or whatever he's up against. You're just there for that, right? Okay, sounds good. Uh, obviously, you know, with the the minimal amount of options out there uh, in the theaters over the weekend, uh, and like we said, even going forward, we we belabor that to death uh you know maybe this has a chance to keep kind of chugging along for a while and, and making its money especially because it does do well enough overseas as well because like i mentioned um currently at 42 domestic and 26 international if it keeps going on that pace you know maybe we see you know closer to 80 domestic and if you get like 50 you know that puts it in like 130 territory by a all said and done that's pretty good for for yeah, you know something for uh, a third of something especially with denzel like we said getting up in age there um looking at the box office had a couple other questions for you um barbie still chugging along that made another 10.2 uh 
over the weekend, which is astonishing. Double digits and coming in second, beating out Blue Beetle, Gran Turismo, and Oppenheimer in that order. Um, Shane, we we talked about when Barbie first came out, or like right before Barbie first came out, there were like, could this be this year's Top Gun Maverick, and could it get to those numbers? And we kind of soured on that initially. Um, let me put the numbers to you right now and see if we think it's still because it's it's a lot closer than you think. I don't know when, if you've seen the numbers lately. Mm-mm. So Top Gun Maverick ended at $1.495 billion, right? Huge number, which, you know, if Avatar 2 didn't come out, we'd still be like fawning over that number, right? Mm-hmm. Barbie is currently at three point or one point three eight three billion. So it's mm. still got another point one billion. I mean it's still a sizable number. So mm-hmm. do you think that it can reach it by the time it leaves theaters? I'm okay. Especially I, with the limited uh, options. It's mm. here's what I'll I'll say. I think it has an outside shot. I think it has an outside shot. Uh, and I say that because I, I believe Top Gun Mavic was like released and then they re-released it later. So it was right. released like two different times throughout the year. Sure. Now, if, if Barbie takes that tact where it's like it's out of the theaters for when it, whatever finishes run, like six months later, it's like, oh, we're going to re-release Barbie for such and such. Make up an event because I'm sure they will. Oh, I could see and, like and, a uh, Christmas with bonus footage or something. Right. I think if they do that, it has a real shot. But it, based on his current pace, I, I, I'm going to say it doesn't reach Top Gun Maverick. I'm going to say it, it gets close, but it does not get there. Because Maverick just kept staying in the movie theaters. That was part of its yes. appeal, and obviously, you know, it, it, it that came out what Memorial Day weekend of that year, yes, right? It did. So yep. it basically just did the whole summer run. The now, whole summer. Now this was what a mid July release. I want to mm-hmm. say somewhere yep. around there. So. Man, for it to equal out, it would probably have to go stay in theaters until October and then, mm-hmm. you know, start to do its windowing on uh, on home video and all that stuff for up until they're probably I wouldn't be shocked if they tried to, like, release this on Christmas Day on PVOD or excuse me, um, or uh, on streaming proper because uh, this is it would be on Max. I believe, because I think yes. this is Warner Brothers, right? So yes. that, that seems like a strategy that Warner Brothers would do. Because I remember they made that big hoopla during the pandemic about, uh, wasn't it uh, Wonder Woman 84 was a Christmas Day thing? And they are like, look at this. It's so awesome that it's a Christmas Day release, day and date. You can see it at home, blah, blah, blah. So I'd be like, get, you know, tune in to Barbie. Get everybody around, you know, for the holidays and have it come out right during the the Christmas break where you could watch Barbie nonstop on Max. That seems like a move that makes a lot right. of sense, but that would mean it probably have to get pulled from the movie theaters somewhere around October, and then they can window it PVOD for a month or two and then drop it on Max. So, right, you know, th- if, if we're talking that, then we're talking another six weeks. And it's still making it made like I said, ten million just over a weekend. I don't know how much it made over the the last week, um, but <laughs> god damn it, man! If it has another, it, you know, six to eight, it would have to be probably in theaters for another ten weeks to have a chance. 
I would right. think. Right. But it, it does have a shot. And it, it is being uh, released for digital uh, on Amazon. Yeah. Amazon Prime September 12th mm. for digital release. Really? I didn't yeah. hear. I heard them say that they were going to do it. I just didn't hear that there was a release date for it. That yep. is interesting. Yep. Yeah, it's going to kill it. It's going to kill it yep. right there. So, yeah, I think it's just going to fall short. I'm glad you put, found that because I remember they made a big deal about uh, that it was coming soon, but they didn't put a date to it. So that's fascinating um, because I know they were doing like pre-orders and such. Uh, so that yeah. way you could do it. But yikes. Yeah. So that's a lot closer than we thought, though. And especially oh, for a absolutely. movie that nobody thought was going to be a, quote, four quadrant movie. You know, and you can make almost the same argument about Top Gun Maverick that it's, you know, the male centric side of this whole Barbie phenomenon that if it was everybody, you know, but there are, you know, women who love Tom Cruise and they love the original Top Gun. So it's not not four quadrant. And Barbie proved that obviously there's a lot more men who are going to go see this movie, too. And that's how it made its fortune. So good on them. Might fall a little short, but it'll be fun to watch to see exactly how short as time progresses. So also over the weekend, uh, I happened to go to the movie theaters myself. I did not see Equalizer 3, but uh, as teased, <laughs> I you did should've. go to... I did, <laughs> well, we'll see, right? Uh, I did go see Bottoms, which is the new, the new movie from Emma Seligman and Rachel Sennett. Rachel Sennett obviously is the star hero along with A.O. Edinburgh. Edibiri from The Bear. Um, I, have you seen the trailer for this movie, Shane? I have. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, we're big fans of The Bear. So, you know, I would imagine that was part of the interest for you as much as it was for me. Um, I am in love with Rachel Sennett. I am not going to lie. She is uh, amazingly uh, talented, hot, whatever. I saw Bodies, 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 probably mostly just for her. And this movie is no different. However, I did love the last time these two paired up. I really liked Shiva Baby. I watched that during uh, the pandemic period at home, and I was I was riveted. That movie is claustrophobic and <laughs> nail biting. Just like uh, for a, a small movie about basically just attending a Shiva ceremony, you know, like at home Shiva ceremony with her, and basically she she has like a lover that shows up that nobody knows about like her sugar daddy basically and it's this whole avoiding family and that subject and you know college and everything like it's just this like just twisty twisty nervous movie anxious movie that i really liked and so i was like all right well this seems like nothing like that so it'll be interesting to see what these two do and you know it went through the the film festival circuit got really positive reviews i believe it went to south by southwest if not more uh ones than that had its premiere there and it's been platforming around i know you said it's just coming around to your area mm -hmm. um down in hollywood south and then uh <laughs> <laughs> but up here we had it uh premiere over the weekend before that it was just new york and la and the reviews shane are off the charts uh 77 metascore 7.7 imdb the Rotten Tomato score is 95% with an audience score of 92%. Uh, and last I saw, the Letterbox score was 4.3 out of 5. Which, to tell people, that means they like this movie more 
than most, I think, all of the Indiana Jones movies. Just to put like just a thing out there, because I was just like, <laughs> what 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 has scores that high, right? And I was like, I think only Raiders has <laughs> higher score than Bottoms does. Okay, wow. This is the type of scores that are being put out there. And I saw this movie, uh, and there's you know uh, a well attended movie. Uh, I saw it, I believe, on a Thursday night. You know, like opening night preview kind of thing. And I don't fully know what I saw. And I will like, <laughs> I've been listening to some of my friends' podcasts about it. I've been listening to or reading some other reviews after I saw the movie. And you know what it gives me? Um, I don't know if you had the same feeling about this particular movie that I'm about to bring up, but it made me feel like when I saw Napoleon Dynamite for the first time, mm, where I was, okay. but you know, not. Not same for same, but basically one of these like smaller movies that got really good reviews that when I saw it, I was like, this is what everybody's raving about. You know, like one of those reactions. It, 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 oh, I was going to say, it's funny you bring that up because the first time I saw Napoleon Dynamite, uh, everyone was talking about it. So I'm like, all right, I'll go check it out. Didn't like it. Hated it the first time I saw it. I'm like, what the, this is what everyone's into? Right. Gave it some time. Loved it the second time through. Like I got it the second or third time. I, I have warmed it. to it over the years. Don't get me wrong, but like that first moment, and again, unfair to it a little bit. I did a double feature that day, and I it was I literally it was the first day I lived in California when I lived out there, and I saw Team America: World Police and Napoleon Dynamite in the same day, and Team oh, America wow. just blows that fucking movie out of the water. I love Team America so much, but. To be fair to my scoring and my feelings, um, I did see Napoleon Dynamite first. So it wasn't like I went in there thinking, oh, well, what's going to top Team America? And then I saw Napoleon Dynamite. It, it's one of those movies that you could tell this particular movie, Bottoms. It's one of those movies that feels like they wanted to kind of come back to the dark comedy stuff. And you and I had this discussion last year with do revenge that came out on Netflix yeah. where it feels like of a piece where it's like, Oh, we saw Heather's and you know, some of these other dark comedies of like the eighties and nineties, your jawbreakers, your, you know, name it right. Like these dark comedies that uh, happened over and over again, uh, especially in the teen route. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And, I think it wanted to be so unique and so special that I think it just wasn't a movie, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and it makes sense. Basically, it's if I was to explain the plot, like I could tell you what it's what the plot's listed as. It's listed as two unpopular queer high school students start a fight club to have sex before graduation. That's kind of the nuts and bolts. But there is a whole thing about why they're starting the Fight Club that has nothing to do with the sex before graduation. And also, it's about who they're trying to have sex with, especially when they're trying to have sex with not other lesbians. So there's that to where we're talking conversion uh, and all other kinds of stuff that deal with that and uh, the hierarchy within it. But Shane, there's a whole plot line in this movie about how they're scared for the upcoming football game because the other team 
has is known for not just like oh they're they're our rivals like like they're gonna beat us right like they beat us every year it's they murder people in the high school when they come into town they rape and murder people in the high school and have been doing it for a long time and nobody no police presence at this game nobody seems to everything feels like a fever dream in this movie which some people i this is one of those movies and this is the great divide that happens with me sometimes and i don't know if this is you too i need something and i watch a lot of bizarre shit so i don't want people to think like oh he just doesn't get it he wasn't in on the vibes that's possible or I don't want to hear that I'm getting older that I have no funny bone left because I'll tell you in a minute how much I love Joyride that uh, I just caught up with, which is awesome, by the way. Um, so this movie, it just it, there's nothing to grip to. There's no regular backbone to this movie. There's no lessons to be learned. There's no... Like, we're doing this to show you that, like, you know, the patriarchy or this. Like, there's no overarching theme. And, again, somebody's going to go, that's why I liked it. And I'm going to have to just go, that's where we are part here. Because, like, I can't just walk into a movie and be like, oh, yeah, just they just throw jokes at you. Okay, well, do the jokes have any root into what the fuck is happening? Are you just doing a bunch of weird shit? And going, ah, that was funny when that thing happened. I'm like, yeah, maybe in a vacuum, but like in the context of the movie, I, I'm, I'm not saying it was devoid of humor. I enjoyed some of this movie, but like, good God, like nothing was tethered to reality. Nothing seemed like, right. oh, this is clearly a revenge movie or this is a whatever. It's nothing. It's amorphous. It's like it doesn't do anything. And if you want to tell me that the whole thing. Even if you just take it, literally, I read that plot off of IMDb, so clearly, is, and it's the only one they have. But if you if the if you tell me the third act, which has a lot of it, has nothing to do with what I just read, then then what the fuck is this movie for? What are we doing? Uh, so that that's what I don't get, and I don't get. There's yeah. no rhyme or reason with the whole queer angle or lesbian or however these things are, and it's an all female fight club and. I don't know, half of them seem to be lesbian or queer or whatever, which is, you know, I don't want to say statistically improbable, but like, it's again, it's a weird angle to go with on top of the fact that they're trying to convert other people. And again, I have no problem with that. I was raised in the 80s and 90s where it seemed like for sport, like sitcoms and, you know, comedy, they were like all about trying to convert gay people straight or, you know, straight people gay. uh, that happened all the time it was you know it doesn't hold up well and it's surprising to see in uh you know trying to be a more progressive movie in 2023 but yeah man i just didn't get this movie and i i really don't get why it's so highly scored especially with the critics the no critics just went this feels like a fucking fever dream that just doesn't make any sense because i said to my brother too uh when we were, i was trying to explain it to him because i had just seen the movie and i was like you know when you have a dream and you explain it to another person and it doesn't make any sense and you're like please never tell me your dreams ever again that's what this when i explain this movie to other people feels like where it's like right yeah yeah 
no, there's this whole thing about a, a killer football team that's going to rape and kill them. And uh, also um, these chicks who are in a fight club, but they don't really learn how to fight because nobody actually knows how to fight. And it's it's just, it's it's manic. It's completely manic. Well, so you just, you just sold me. You sold me. <laughs> I'm there. Right. No, based on your description from IMDb, because I read the plot too, that seems right up my alley. Like, that's a Shane movie. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. But, you know, and I, the people involved, I was all the way in. <clears throat> I went in with the highest of expectations. Right. So I, I'll go check it out. But you're right. There are some. Mm, how can I approach this delicately? Um, there's a lot of movies where I'm like, that critic score really high in the audience, like you said, and I'm sitting there watching like, what the, what the hell? Like, am I missing out on this whole movie? Like you said, like, I'm not like, I'm old, but I'm not that old. Like, I don't get it. And I think sometimes this is where I'm just going to like, try to land this softly. I think movies with certain themes or they're dealing with certain ethnic backgrounds. I, I honestly think sometimes critics are afraid to come down on some of these movies yeah. Because of backlash they may face on social media. Or if you and, see it, I, and, and not to cut you off, but like I had that thought about how high the score is. Because if you're talking from a public scenario, when I was literally watching the movie, I could tell just by looking around and seeing uh, couples together and stuff. It's a very you know LGBTQ friendly movie, and and a lot of that was the audience. So if you're if you're if your target audience maybe is not me. And they're scoring it really high because they don't get a lot of movies that have their represented uh, representation in that way or anything like that. Maybe it gets a little more of a bump, and I totally get that. This is a lot, and especially for the critics, because comedies in general aren't for everybody. That's kind of how right. these things go. So even like the strongest, like the like I don't know what your favorite comedy of all time, but I could tell anybody to a person. I'm like. Name me a fully critically approved comedy. I, I I don't know of one. I can't tell you. Even like Airplane, which I think is on like the AFI top 100 movies of all time. I don't think the if you took it like the score, I, like Bottoms is probably destroying it. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah, no, I don't I, get it. I, I yeah, I, I yeah, I don't get that either. That's why it's hard to compare certain movies, like you said, like for it to be ahead of like all the Indiana Jones movies. I'm like, he's got to take that with a grain of salt. You know, it's like, okay. Yeah. It's recency bias on top of it. Yeah. yeah. It's recency bias on top of it. But like I said, I think critics uh, in today's age are afraid to criticize uh, certain movies, or I find this with certain directors and I'm not getting into the whole thing, but it's like, Hmm. Yeah. I didn't see that. I don't think so-and-so did a great job, but yet they're giving a high marks. I think they're just cautious in how they, critique films these days right and again I, I this was one of those movies where i was just like is this the moment where i'm like too old you know mm. i ever have that because you're a little bit older than me so i don't know if you've had it to where i'm like this this is just for the kids like they can have this one and i'm out you know you ever have one of right. those because to me i was just like it it shook me to the core of like how little i liked about this movie being a comedy that i was just like i need to watch other comedies right now to be like do i like this and i did like i said i watched joyride that movie's good that movie should right. have done better in theaters i i i am mad at people that it's not <laughs> a better like a bigger score because it's got everything you would want it like from you know from like outlandish humor 
to like cool buddy like road trippy stuff to like sentimental stuff and actually ends in like this very sentimental and and a sensitive way that I really enjoyed that w- just works. Like I could see these people doing other sequels and I'd be totally fine with it. It's not going to get it because it didn't make enough at the box office, but man, like, and, and again, all female cast, uh, all Asian right. cast, like, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible what they pulled off and it did fucking nothing. And it doesn't have anywhere near the critical consensus that this movie does. That's what I, I, I don't get it. So, yeah. yeah. Like, do you have one of those movies? Because immediately I was just like, I'm the guy who watched, like, Better Off Dead and Billy Madison. Uh, and, like, you know, there's movies yeah. that are just like, if you showed this to another person, like, some people are just like, oh, God, this is juvenile. This is stupid. Like, this doesn't make any sense. And, you know, you just want to defend it, right? But, like, this movie's not even that. Yeah. You know? I can't I can't think of one off the top of my head where I was sitting there thinking, did I age out of this? I haven't had that in a long time, so I can't think of anything to give you as an example. But like you said, I you know, uh, a comedy's like my bag, and it, so I, I, I'm now I'm curious. You got me curious enough to, to go see this movie now. Yeah. So that's my main mission next week. But like you, better off dead. One crazy summer, man. Like all those. Yeah, Savage Steve Holland was like my guy. <laughs> yeah, but you like you said, you show those today. It's like. You're having me watch this? Like, yeah, this Dancing is, Hamburger? You know, What's going on here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. But again, Except at least those are rooted right. in something we all can rally around. We're all, like, we've all had that summer when you're young where you meet somebody and you're, like, you're trying to have that summer romance thing. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. And you're with your dumb buddies and you're doing dumb shit. Those things all make sense. This movie just yeah. didn't gel with me at all because none of it was rooted in something that I thought was relatable. It was one of those movies, and I think I've said this about TV shows as well as movies, where it's like you can't have everybody in the movie be crazy because then nothing right. gets set up correctly or works correctly. And this is almost, to a person, almost everyone's fucking crazy on some level. Like they either like have some special skill or whatever. Like it's everybody's fucking crazy. It doesn't work that way. And I don't know. Maybe I'm just old school in that or just old and fucking general, man. But I swear to God, like I haven't been this shaken. Like I said, probably since Napoleon Dynamite where I was like, why does everyone get this? And I don't. So, yeah, no, like I said, I was the same with Napoleon Dynamite. Uh, I was the same way with Step Brothers. I saw that in the theater the first time. I'm like, yeah, it was okay. And then you watch it and you watch it and you watch it. Oh, and it's hysterical to me. So I right. don't know. Maybe it'll grow on you. Who knows? But again, stepbrothers, right? Like two people, your parents are getting married. That's a very grounded. Nor- this is where I try to go for like and for every time I go, well, but I watch this and that's crazy. And then I go, but this is rooted in this. This movie is not rooted. It's fucking amorphous. I don't get it. I need someone. I need someone. I might have to challenge someone online to just like like do a stream with us or something and just be like what the <laughs> fuck is this or maybe it's you maybe you're gonna see the movie and you're gonna yeah be like, you're I'm a fucking gonna crazy it. person I'm gonna so but again i want to know i do i want the the early <laughs> report card on where you landed you started watching asteroid city am i insane oh, with how i felt about that movie 
No, it's uh, and you said this is not a Shane movie, and I should have just taken you at your word and not even tried. But it's on Peacock. I have Peacock. I was like, you know what? Labor Day, there's nothing on. I'm sitting there watching reruns of Naked and Afraid. I'm like, all right, let me let me throw on this this movie. Right. Hey, Seuss, man, like, good (laughs) lord, I, I. I, I couldn't make it through. And begrudgingly, I think I told you off the mic, I'll finish it because that's how I am. Yeah. But man, it's a it's a tough watch. It's and I've always been, and I said this on this podcast, I'm 50-50 on Wes Anderson, man. Like I like some of his films, some films. Again, I sit there and I'm like, why do the critics like this? I, I don't get it. Like sure. like I sit there like a I sit there like a dumb dumb. Am I a dumb dumb? <laughs> yeah, and no. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but this one, I'm like, it's a it's <laughs> a movie inside a play inside a movie that cross over with each other at times, and everyone just sits around talking to each other. And I was like, "Oh my god, it's like confusing, and nothing but, happens." But again, and I'm give like, me the point. That's all right. I was looking for. I was looking for what's this cohesion? What is this a thing that we're all supposed to kind of rally around? Because there again, that movie has moments. I don't know. I'm sure you've gotten to the alien stuff. Or whatever. Yes. That stuff is kind of funny. It's because it's kind of slapsticky. It's whatever. It's cool. It's whatever. And I would say Jason Schwartzman and Scarlett Johansson's conversations are quite good. And Steve Carell's kind of little uh, character of kind of like running that little town uh, has some moments that made me laugh out loud. But as a as a full on experience, I want to know like where's the propulsion? What are we moving towards? What are we doing here? Nothing. We're moving to nothing. Right. And there's no like, this is a criticism of this or whatever. Like, usually something, again, even if it's just basic, baseline stuff, like a Moonrise Kingdom, where again, it's kind of like a like a kid's love story a little bit on top of what's going on around them. But at least there's like that base that you come back to. Right. There's not a full real base with Asteroid Sitter, and that's what bothered me. And I couldn't just like kind of follow along, and then they start getting meta and pulling out, and I'm like, this is just getting annoying. Yeah, I wa- it just it got it. Yeah, yeah, it's annoying. It's it's again. I'm sitting there like, why am I not getting this? Like, because I read, I'm watching it, and then I'm scrolling through some of the reviews, and like some Rolling Stone guys, like it's the best Wes Anderson film. Literally, that's what he said. And I'm reading his review. I'm like, what? Like what am I missing? Like, I don't see anything that you're just writing about here. Like, I, I don't get it. Right. I'll be the first to admit when a movie goes over my head. Thank you, Christopher Nolan. But like, <laughs> sure. Yeah, this is, this is one of them. It's like, I'm missing out on something, man. Like, I don't, right. I just don't get it. Yeah, I know. And again, sometimes, you know, even your, your most favorite directors swing and miss. So I don't want to say I'm never going to watch something from Emma Seligman. Uh, and Rachel Senate or like, uh, you know, or uh, another Wes Anderson movie. It's just I don't think those have what it takes for me to, like, continue on and really enjoy myself. It didn't grip with me at all. Right. Um, and similarly, um, I watched Polite Society, which is also on Peacock right now. That was a Sundance movie um, that got, again, very well reviewed, it seemed like as well. I believe um, the letterbox score is probably closer to like three and a half or something uh consistently like solid reviews and that movie i'm 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 glad i stuck to the end because the third act is the best part but for what they set up and where it goes it's another one of those like this is outlandish and not fully rooted to reality and kind of tries to do a little bit of get out 
sort of, but mm-hmm. like in Indian culture, except like it doesn't have the motives, like the pure kind of motives that make sense unless it makes more sense in that culture. But they didn't really drive that point home, I guess, in here um, where it's like a young woman in the culture that makes you know, she's in. Indian woman in London in a private school where it's like, you know, this pressure to be something great kind of a thing going on, which I totally get. Um, She wants to be a stunt woman. And so she takes karate and she knows like a lot of, you know, moves and tries to aspire to be like, you know, a great stunt woman working on like a Marvel movie or something crazy. And that's like her thing. And her sister's an artist, but she dropped out of art school. And basically it turns into... Uh, her having to save her sister from this family who wants to, you know, kind of do this arranged marriage and it gets bigger and bigger and crazier and crazier Uh, from there. I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but it turns into like just a full on like heist and action movie at the end mm. a little bit. And, but it takes so long to get to where it is. And also the motivations aren't, the same as like i said with like a get out where it's kind of a mystery of like how this is going on what's going on exactly what are the motives and this tries to do that but it just like it takes so long to be interesting and not off the rails that i just i just i i I was bored i'm I'm like i Mm. really stopped around two-thirds of the way and going i don't know i don't know if i can continue with this movie and then again the, the third act was the best part of the movie, which will make you feel better about the movie overall. But it's it's to me, it's not enough to recommend this movie. So, uh, you know, it's another one that was like, I'm just trying to mark stuff off my list, stuff that I needed to catch up. I wanted to see it during uh, Sundance, but there was enough available uh, online access for me uh, to see it. And yeah, I just. That, and and that's the biggest sin for me. That's the biggest sin a movie commit could commit is me being bored yeah you know what i mean like totally. i could take bad movies or like, i roll. i could take like one of the two if you make yeah. me do either it's bad news yeah i've sat through a lot of trash in my life and i and i admit it i love it but like <laughs> yeah don't bore just don't bore me sure. like give me ridiculous obscene whatever you want to give me i can roll with it but the bore me the biggest cynic movie commit so once you said that i'm like yeah okay i'm out <laughs> i'm out and to be more positive, I will end on a positive recommendation. This is a movie that's been getting kind of thrown around uh, a lot of circles in the last couple months, especially now that it's officially on Hulu. I think people are catching up with it more and more. Uh, that is How to Blow Up a Pipeline, uh, which is a very unique movie in the fact that it's uh, it's an adapted movie from a book, but the book is a nonfiction book. So it's not like they basically crafted a a movie, a storyline around the actual thoughts of like how you can actually blow up a, an oil pipeline. Um, and, and, you know, of course, so they built the motives, they built the characters and a lot, the most impressive, and I've heard this from a lot of people too. So I'm not, you know, saying anything that has been out there, but like the fact that again, that they created this whole cloth, that it's a very indie low budget movie and that they did, such an impressive job in terms of its direction and editing of the propulsion of this movie that it feels like more of a crime movie than it is trying to be preachy about like oil companies and eco issue, you know, uh, 
environmental issues and and all these activism things and all that stuff they really do a good job of showing like the effects of some of these things and obviously climate change and all these things they don't shy away from it but the movie is mostly about like why these people are motivated and why they're in it for this and also just the actual crime itself and how people learn how to make blasting caps off the internet and and in a weird way it's some people if you really wanted to be obnoxious about it because it's not what the movie's about but you could be like you really want to show people how to do this you know and you really want to show uh you know kind of a how-to manual to be you know like like almost like passing out the anarchist cookbook <laughs> for, for people who are old um you know like this is the modern version like do we really want to do that um do we want to pass this along but the movie is not fully about that it's mostly about like the why and the actual procedural of it and getting away with it or not getting away with it like actually going through with it and what they have to do and it's riveting it's a it's a really solid watch and and doesn't belabor it i think it's i don't know it's under two hours i think you know so it's it's a solid quick moving movie that feels almost like it should have been done by Steven Soderbergh, like mm. more than okay. just like, uh, you know, an early, you know, I, I might even be a feature debut from uh, like an indie filmmaker. So it's super impressive. And again, a lot of actors uh, that you wouldn't know and it's very small and, but it is super impressive. So I would say if you have okay. Hulu, check out how to blow up a pipeline. So cool. Um, I haven't done. I wanted to put it into my rankings to see where it actually lands, but I'm I'm sure it's pretty solid, like top fifteen, top twenty of the year. So that's that's a good recommendation uh, for me. Um, now I want to kind of see we can end now that we've done movies to death, right? Let's uh, let's land with season finale of Justified City Primeval from you because you spoke. <laughs> glowingly about it so far but obviously sometimes finales can kind of color you in a different way how did this end for you who i had to sit with this one for a while i i did okay uh, yeah and i didn't realize how divisive this miniseries or one-off series was because critically it's 91 percent of ron tomato audience scores 49 percent mm. that's a big gap yeah that's a huge gap yeah and most of the criticism is coming off of, well, he wasn't in the original story. They're just dropping the Raylan Givens in here. It doesn't make any sense why he's in Detroit, blah, 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 blah. I can understand that because when you have five seasons of a show, you have time to flesh out characters and, and, and just flesh out storylines and make it bigger and better as the seasons go along. So I understand that. And you had the Walton Goggins character uh, Boyd Crowder uh, in here and in the first one. So I, I understand where they're coming from. I will say, so I watched the season finale, super excited for it. I will say though, I hate to say this, it, uh, just like the equalizer ending, it was kind of anticlimactic. Mm, it really was. Okay. Because uh, when you get the Boyd Holbrook character who is so good in this series as like the just unstable, unhinged psychopath, sociopath, because right. that's what he is, man. That's what he is. So when you get the final confrontation between him and Raylan is what you're building this whole, se this whole season up to. Uh, 
kind of a letdown. Mm. It was kind of a letdown. It really was. But overall, I still enjoyed the last episode. If you've seen the series, you're thinking about watching it, it's still worth a watch and just wait. I don't want to say post credits because it's a TV show. Right. But the right. last scene, the last scene brings back an old favorite uh, and can hopefully launch us into another series with Raylan Givens and Timothy Oliphant playing the character. Oh, okay. It lent, it, yeah, oh, man, it's a big surprise. If you're a fan favorite of the f- original series, that last scene is going to get you amped up and juiced up like, all right, here we go. Let's go. Hmm. Let's, let's hit the ground running. Okay. I like I said, I enjoyed Timothy Oliphant's spin in this. I understand because he did seem like a fish out of water being in Detroit. But again, I bypassed all that. And I thought about what you said, because I did say you don't need to watch the original series. You could just jump in here. Right. But I, I really sat on that sentiment for a while because I'm like, oh, shit. Um, yeah, you might think it's slow and boring and like, why do you love this show so much? So. I'm almost scared to recommend it, be not seeing the series, because I, I think the series would make you appreciate this season for what it is, right. if that makes any kind of sense. Sure. You know what I mean? I think if I think if this is your first taste of Justified, quote unquote, you're like, yeah, I don't get the hype, <laughs> you know, like, right. and I can yeah. see where you're coming from. I, yeah. I, I wouldn't be able to argue with you like, oh, you should like it because this, this and that. I really think people would be better served to at least get a basic understanding of the character and just the world of justified. And that I think you would appreciate the show a little better. I still enjoyed it as a show ranking. I gave it a four out of five. Okay. Still high. The end was, yeah, the end was even for as a diehard fan that I am, the end was like, that's how you're going to end that confrontation. Okay. Sure. Moving on, you know, like, uh, okay. Well, so. maybe that's why I got turfed to the summer. You know, it's kind of one of those yeah. you can catch up with it when you can and, you know, uh, think about the good times and, and enjoy the ride for, for how it is. But, yeah, it's I've heard some some things from people who are also diehard justified people in my life uh, that I've listened to either on podcasts or off mic, whatever, that kind of said a lot of the same things you're saying. So that kind of lines up. So don't feel like you're alone on that one. But yeah, for sure. I'm sure this means a lot more to people who definitely watch the series over, over time and, and cultivated some love for this specific character and what it, they're capable of. So yeah, I hear you, but yeah. I'm glad, you know, I'm glad you enjoyed it, though. It was one of those, I'm yeah. sure, week to week, you know, you got to enjoy something when we've been, you know, maybe poo-pooing things like it, a show yeah. or whatever. Or, <laughs> yeah, I was going to yeah. say, it's still better than anything Disney Plus has put out in a long time. Yes. <laughs> Let's God. put it that way. Brutal. Goddamn brutal. But I will say, even though, uh, you know, they're owned mostly by Disney, uh, Hulu Still, I, still I packing out some stuff. Uh, I, you are almost fully caught up with only murders. Uh, you only didn't watch today's episode. We're recording on a Tuesday night. I watched today's episode, and I'm still, you know, riveted. I think last uh, the, where does this put us? This week's was episode six. I think we said or five. Yes, six, six, six. So I think episode five did a lot to really kind of lock me into this ep- uh, this particular season. And I think yeah. now we're on the rails that we're going to, you know, keep moving from here on out. Yeah. And it's funny you say that because um, I think I was too behind you when we recorded last week. So yeah. I finally got caught up. And I, I, as I watched episode four in the end of, you know, in the end of three and I watched episode four, I was kind of coming around to your way of thinking. I'm like, 
yeah, I'm not digging this as much as the first two seasons. They're all detached from each other. They're not like together together. Right. It's more of a Selena Gomez, Martin Short kind of vehicle at the moment. And I'm like, okay, but you're right. Episode five was like probably the best episode of the season so far. Yeah. In my in my opinion. And it kind of almost validates my theory of uh, what I speculated last week about who the killer is. Sure. So, you know, and Martin Short was, you know, it, it was a great episode. So, like you said, I think it got us back on track. Uh, I, I looked it up. I think it's 10 episodes. This season is 10 episodes. Yeah. yeah. Right. They typically yeah, are. So it's yeah. got. Yeah. So we got four more to go. So but it's back on track. I still like the season. I don't want people to think, oh, my. But it compared to the first two. It was lacking in certain elements the first two bought to the table. Yeah, it's almost like uh, my 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 feelings on Guardians of the Galaxy 3, where I was like, if you take Rocket out of the nucleus and you don't get certain, you know, there's just certainly less jokes, less humor, like all scattered throughout because he has that relationship with a lot of different characters within it. So it kind of changes the dynamic. So in this particular case, because... Martin Short and Steve Martin are locked into trying to get a Broadway musical off off the ground. So they're just busy, you know, busy doing mm-hmm. stuff that isn't trying to solve a murder. So when Selena Gomez is kind of the, the only person who's like fully committed and then she's kind of dealing with certain things on her end in her life as well, uh, it kind of gets scattered. It kind of gets, you know, a little dark almost at times mm-hmm. you know which again oh, it's a murder show but yeah technically it's still a comedy though so you know they work best when the three of them are in the room and i exactly i, I think now hitting into the back half here i think you're going to see them more in the room with each other over and over um it's just the uh, will the secrets consume them before the case gets to be even more bubbly than it has been to this point. So I think it's getting into that fever pitch. It's getting okay. right into that. So I, I'm excited to, to see how this concludes. And with that, that is the conclusion of this episode. So I'm, thank you guys for listening. As always, be sure to like, subscribe, uh, get into uh, a nice five-star review, you know, light a candle, <laughs> uh, you know, say the kindest of words and then send it out into the ether. That'd be lovely if you guys can do that. Um, upcoming, I still, uh, I mean, oh. we're going to still probably check in with some of our, our shows that we've mentioned over and over, but a- as mentioned, the uh, the, <laughs> the only movie that seems to be like out in, in my face which is hilarious is that I'm sitting here waiting to see when I'm going to buy Taylor Swift's concert ticket, uh, concert movie ticket. <laughs> I saw which that. I'm today. sure you I might be in the throws up. I'm not sure your daughter's <laughs> in that age where it could go either way. Is she a Swifty? Oh, she's a Tay Tay fan, man. Okay. Like, yeah. All right. So we're all, we're all screwed. Every person yeah. in the world. I, I like Taylor Swift, so don't get me wrong, but like only, you know, a handful or whatever, but to be around people who are fully pot committed, singing along for like two and a half hours, that might be a bit much. It might, yeah. uh, you know, it might have to be uh headphones in for a while. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Listening to something great like our podcast. So thanks exactly. to you, sir. Uh, good job by you as always. And Thank you guys for listening, and we'll be back next week with more recent activity.